Are the San Francisco Giants building their own version of the Oakland A's? Well, it's not quite that extreme, but I will explain why. I have some big picture concerns about the Giants organization that bubbled up during Bob Melvin's introductory press conference at Oracle Park. Welcome to another edition of the Carrie Crowley Show. Thank you so much for joining me, whether you're listening on YouTube or Spotify. Really appreciate you listening and reviewing, commenting, whatever it takes to boost this podcast. I really appreciate your help in getting the word out there. So let's get right into this. Earlier this week, Bob Melvin introduced as the manager of the San Francisco Giants. And let me be very clear. I've already done one podcast about Bob Melvin. I think that this is a home run hire for the San Francisco Giants. I was relatively skeptical when the team decided with three days to go left in the regular season that Gabe Kapler should be fired because I thought, look, you look at the bigger issues with the Giants organization, and I'm not here to say that Gabe Kapler did the best possible job in the year 2022 or 2023, but what I will tell you is this. If you look at that 2023 roster, Gabe Kapler did not have the pieces to put together a contending ball club. Losing set or you know 83 games out of 162 was not on Gabe Kapler. You could pin four or five losses, whatever, on a manager, on a coaching staff, on the hitting coach's lack of ability to get through to the hitters, whatever you want. But the bottom line is the roster that Farhan Zaidi put together simply was not good enough, regardless of who was managing the San Francisco Giants. I don't care if it was Bruce Bochy, Dusty Baker, what have you. The Giants did not have the pieces to win in 2023. And whether you want to pin that on the front office, which I think is a legitimate criticism, or on ownership, which I actually think is a more legitimate criticism because ownership has not shown a willingness to spend at the requisite levels to contend on a recent basis. I, I think that those are the ways that the Giants ultimately finish with a losing season is their payroll was right around $190 million. I think it probably needed to be up around 210, 215, 220 if they were serious about putting together a winning squad, a team that could challenge the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks atop the National League West. And at the outset of the season, we thought the Padres would be there. And of course, the Padres ultimately finish ahead of the Giants. Then you can put it on the front office, Farhan Zaidi, some of the personnel decisions that he made. Look, Mitch Hanniger, Michael Conforto, those contracts did not work out for the Giants. Ross Stripling, no. Was Sean Maniah effective at the second half of the season? Yes, and I, I think there are a lot of people in the Giants world that would like to see Sean Maniah opt in next season, but the bottom line is this. Gabe Kapler did not have the pieces, and so when the Giants made the decision to move on from Gabe Kapler, I thought, okay, I understand the need to try and find a better link from the organization and the clubhouse to the fan base, because I don't know that Gabe Kapler was the most effective communicator in discussing breaking down Giants baseball with Giants fans. And as a manager, there are really two big things you have to do when you're not in between the lines, when you're not standing on the top step of the dugout, making calls to the bullpen, making decisions on who's going to pinch hit, who's going to substitute when. And those two things are communicating effectively, being the liaison from the front office to the clubhouse, and then being the liaison from the clubhouse to the fan base. And that, I think, was Gabe Kapler's downfall in San Francisco. I don't think Giants fans liked his message. I don't think a lot of Giants fans resonated with the way that he talked about baseball. And I think that sometimes they felt it was so nuanced and hard to follow that he was speaking, you know, a lot about analytics, a lot about trends. And look, 
I was the audience for that. I like the new era of baseball. I like a lot of the modern things about the game. But I recognize if you've been a Giants fan since 1958, if you had Roger Craig and Dusty Baker and Felipe Alou and Bruce Bochy as your predecessors, talking about analytics and talking about the new ways the game is being played is going to be a really difficult way to break through with this Giants fan base. I think that there are a lot of younger fans who had some grace for Gabe Kapler. And you look, it's just natural. The divide is if you grew up listening to those figures that I just mentioned and Roger Craig and Dusty Baker and Alou and Bruce Bochy breaking down the game of baseball, it's just simple. Gabe Kapler sounded different and that didn't work for a lot of Giants fans. And that's not Gabe Kapler's fault. Look, I, I think that one of the most important things that he did was stay true to himself in San Francisco. But the bottom line is... When the Giants felt that they weren't putting butts in the seats, when they weren't selling tickets at Oracle Park, and they weren't putting a winning product on the field, one of the easiest things that they could do as an organization was simply change the manager. And is that going to solve all their problems? No. Changing the manager is one of 50. There are a ton of steps that the Giants need to take to put a winning product on the field. But when this search began, I was skeptical because I thought, Okay, you've got the New York Mets who are hiring. You know that Steve Cohen is going to spend a ton of money. You've got the Cleveland Guardians who are hiring in a wide-open AL Central. The Guardians farm system always produces talent. That's an organization that consistently competes. The Angels still have Mike Trout down in Anaheim, although I thought that the Giants' job was better than the Angels' job. And who knows? Let's say Craig Council went from Milwaukee to New York. Then a Brewers' job would open, and that theoretically would be better than the Giants' job because the Brewers are more set up to win right now. So... I was looking at all of the different candidates the Giants might interview who might say yes to come to San Francisco and manage the Giants. And if you told me with three days left to go in the regular season that the ultimate candidate, that the person the Giants would hire is Bob Melvin, to me, that would be a win. Bob Melvin was probably the best available manager on the market, the best person the Giants could have hired given the circumstances. And they went out and they did that. So you have to commend Farhan said, you have to commend Greg Johnson for making the tough decision. And I know, look, there's a lot of criticism that's going to be spread to Greg Johnson throughout this episode for what he said during this press conference introducing Bob Melvin. But the bottom line is, when they made the decision to fire Gabe Kapler, the Giants were taking a risk and they mitigated a lot of the risk by bringing in a well-respected manager who is thought of very highly in circles all around the game of baseball, whether you're talking with players, other coaches, other managers, front office executives. Bob Melvin is someone who people trust in the game of baseball. So let's move on to the introductory press conference because this is where I think my concerns about the Giants turning into the Oakland A's, they're really going to come to light. So Bob Melvin has this press conference and everything that comes out of his mouth is golden. It is exactly what Giants fans want to hear. He's a Menlo Atherton kid, grew up rooting for the Giants. He played for the Giants. He hit home runs at Candlestick Park. He talked about the Giants and A's rivalry. He talked about the Cal and Stanford rivalry, 49ers and Raiders. I mean, this is someone who has his finger on the pulse of Bay Area sports because he lived it. Like this was his childhood. So he gets the history of the organization. He understands how special it is to root for Willie Mays, to root for a Willie McCovey, uh, to root for uh, a Juan Marichal or Orlando Cepeda. Bob Melvin understands all of that. And that is so important because Giants fans really treasure 
their connections to the history of the organization. And for good reason. It is an organization with incredible history. Some of the players who've come through San Francisco have been some of the best to ever play the game of baseball. And Bob Melvin grew up rooting for that and playing for that, wearing the orange and black. And so I think when you've got someone who understands that connection and can get through to fans at that level, it's just really special. It it reminded me of what the Giants are losing when Brandon Crawford won't be on this roster because Brandon Crawford grew, grew up rooting for a Barry Bonds. He grew up, you know, rooting for Royce Clayton was his favorite shortstop. Uh, there's the famous picture of him at Candlestick Park, saved the team. And you know what? The Giants' ownership did save the team. Peter McGowan came in and put the group together. They bought the team. They kept the team in San Francisco. And then they built this magnificent waterfront ballpark. And the Giants, the, the rest is really history. 2010, 2012, 2014, the Giants achieved their mission. They made the Bay Area happy. They made longtime Giants fans happy and happier than they might ever thought they'd be with three titles in five seasons. And so while they will lose that connection from the field to the fan base when Brandon Crawford is no longer the shortstop for the San Francisco Giants, they will gain some of that back with Bob Melvin being the manager. Andy Baggerly wrote an exceptional article for The Athletic. He's had tremendous coverage throughout the managerial process of how the Giants reintroduced a familiar version of themselves with Bob Melvin coming back to the Bay Area and becoming the manager of the San Francisco Giants. I thought that everything that he said during his press conference should inspire confidence. And look, I'm actually one of the people who, when Melvin was in Oakland, there was... Very few skeptics of what Melvin was doing in Oakland, how far that organization could go under his tutelage. And if you go to the end of the 2019 season, when the A's are bounced by the Tampa Bay Rays at home in the wildcard game after winning, I think it was 97 games that year in the American League, I wrote for the San Jose Mercury News that the Oakland A's and Bob Melvin ought to consider parting ways. Because... You looked at his track record through, I think it was 11 seasons with the A's at that time, six in which the A's had made the postseason, and they simply were not a team that was advancing deep into the postseason. They had the disastrous 2018 wildcard game where Liam Hendricks starts as an opener. I mean, Giants fans don't want to hear the word opener, and that's what Bob Melvin did in the playoffs. And yes, it was called by Billy Bean and David Forrest. It was a front office decision because that's the way these things go right now. But nevertheless, this was a manager who had to get on board with starting an opener in the playoffs. It backfired at Yankee Stadium. Hendricks gives up the early runs. The A's are never the same in that game. And they end up bowing out in the wild card game. 2019, Sean Mania starts in the wild card game, couldn't get out of the third inning. Maybe Mike Fire should have started against the Tampa Bay Rays. I think there was a decision to be made there. And ultimately, the A's 97 win season goes for naught. And so I'm thinking, look, the guy has been in this position for a while. He's making, I think at the time, three to four million dollars as a manager, and the A's notoriously cheap as an organization. I thought, how much longer are they going to put up with this? Because you figured that after years of contending, which the A's had done in 2018 and 2019, they were going to cycle through again. Like They were going to go through their rebuild thing where they were going to try and attract AAA players and deals who would ultimately come up to the majors within the next two seasons and help out their ball club so that the rebuild wouldn't last too long. But I thought, you know, it, it just makes sense with Bruce Bochy retiring at the time, stepping down from his post in San Francisco with the Giants. I wrote for the Mercury News. You can check this out. Google Kerry Crowley, Bob Melvin A's, and you will read this. I wrote that the Giants ought to give Bob Melvin a call. 
Or what would happen if the Giants gave the A's a call about trying to interview Bob Melvin for their, at the time, vacant post? They had not committed to hiring Gabe Kapler. Farhan Zaidi was about to begin the search process. Ultimately, that doesn't happen. But I thought, I wonder how gettable he is because everyone just assumed that he would be the A's manager forever because he gave the A's the best opportunity to win. But you had to realize this is someone who was nearing two decades in Major League Baseball, had not achieved playoff success. There were other organizations who were more ready to win in the years 2020 and 2021. And I thought it just seems to be one of those situations where Bob Melvin might be gettable. And it didn't happen that offseason. But after 2020, the Padres are the team that make the call. They go down, they get Bob Melvin. And then Bob Melvin experiences more playoff success than he had prior in his career in 2021 as the Padres knock off the Dodgers in the NLDS, advance to the NLCS before ultimately losing to the Phillies. And you're thinking, okay, the Melvin era in San Diego, this is going to be successful. This is going to work. And now they're surrounding him with the star players that he absolutely needs to win at Petco Park. And what happens in 2023? We all know the story of the San Diego Padres. And I'll be honest. It was a really funny story to watch unfold. Just as like a a neutral observer of the San Diego Padres, to see the talent that that organization had amassed this year and to see them absolutely flounder for most of the season was stunning. It was jaw-dropping. It was like, how is something like this with Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, how is something like this happening in San Diego. You read the stories, there is a disconnect between Bob Melvin and A.J. Preller. There's a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff. There's a disconnect that leads you to believe that, hey, maybe Bob Melvin isn't long for San Diego. And so ultimately, we know how this story ends. The Padres aren't happy with Bob Melvin. They allow him to interview in San Francisco. And it's the same thing that happened when Bob Melvin was with the A's and he was allowed to interview with the San Diego Padres. It's the same thing that happened when Bruce Bochy was the manager of the San Diego Padres and he was allowed to interview with the San Francisco Giants. Once that interview takes place, it's as good as gone. That is a done deal. Bob Melvin was coming to the San Francisco Giants much as he was going to the San Diego Padres two years ago, much as Bruce Bochy was coming to the Giants in 2007. And so the Giants have this introductory press conference, and I am skeptical of Bob Melvin's playoff record. I am skeptical of a few different things with regard to the hire, but I think the thing that makes me most skeptical is you go back to when Farhan Zaidi was hired in San Francisco, and he named Gabe Kapler his manager. There were a lot of Giants fans who were saying, hmm, this seems a lot like the Dodgers organization because Farhan had come from the Dodgers organization. Gabe Kapler had been the farm director in Los Angeles and he talked about doing things with analytics and blending analytics and gut feel. And it just felt to a lot of Giants fans like the Giants were trying to take a page out of the Dodgers book and follow their model. And Giants fans were right in saying, look, the Dodgers can win 100 games every season, but what are they doing in the playoffs? Because... Up until 2020, when, I don't know if you count it, I was there, I count it, but a lot of people don't. Up until 2020, uh, it was just playoff misery after playoff misery for the Dodgers. And so fans were, I think, rightfully concerned. And it was, hey, we're following the script that your biggest rival is using. I just think that you want to be doing something different, even if that script during the regular season was incredibly successful for the Dodgers. And so... It's funny that there was so much criticism about that, and yet no one has brought up the idea that right now, at this moment in time, the Giants seem to be following a script that's relatively similar 
to that of the Oakland A's for the past two decades. And I'm not talking about the past two years, which have just been an absolute embarrassment for John Fisher and the A's organization. Really, not even the A's organization. There's good people in that organization. The A's owner, John Fisher, has absolutely destroyed that franchise, has made a mockery of himself, and has done everything he can to erode trust in the highest levels of the organization. And so take out what John Fisher has done over the last two seasons and look more about the philosophy that the A's have used, really dating back to the days when Farhan Zaidi was working under Billy Bean in Oakland. And that was, how do we get the most out of the least? How do we get the most talent, the most wins out of, you know, not necessarily a massive investment in the ball club? And when you listen to Greg Johnson talk, the Giants chairman at Bob Melvin's introductory press conference, he talks like someone who doesn't want to be spending money at the upper echelons of where other teams are spending money right now. He talked about breaking even more than he talked about putting a championship caliber squad on the field. Seriously, how many times at Bob Melvin's introductory press conference were the words World Series uttered? Because you go back and listen, and even if they were uttered, they were overshadowed by the fact that when Greg Johnson was asked about if he's willing to commit a higher payroll to help this organization put a better product on the field in 2024, he said the goal is to somewhat break even. Not the goal is to do whatever it takes to win a World Series. The goal is whatever it takes to get fans back in the seats and falling in love with Giants baseball again and recognizing the faults of 2022 and 2023 and recognizing that it's going to take massive spending commitment to getting people back to Oracle Park and getting the Giants back to a position where they can contend in the National League West. No, the goal from the chairman of the organization is to somewhat break even, which is just... It's an astonishing and disgusting thing to say, if you ask me. And there's a lot of people who are out there ready to go to bat for ownership, who are ready to say, well, it's just like any other business. No. The San Francisco Giants, no professional sports team is just like any other business. That is a fallacy. When I go to the dry cleaners, I'm not wearing the jersey of the dry cleaners to pick up my suit. You know, when I go to the bookstore, I'm not, you know, getting season tickets to the bookstore that are costing thousands of dollars to sit there for readings every Tuesday and Thursday night at my local bookstore as much as I love the place. That does not happen. You are not talking about, you know, a particular print shop in your community where you need to go and you need to get your FedEx or your UPS labels printed and you're not saying, hey, you know, son, daughter, I'm going to pass down my love of, you know, this print shop to you one day, and we're going to go together, and we're going to print labels together one day. No, that is the biggest fallacy of all time. The Giants are not just any old business trying to break even. Look at franchise valuations. Look at what the franchise was bought for back in 1993, and then look at, uh, excuse me, then look at what the franchise is now worth. Because, If you've got a couple hundred million dollars or a billion dollars and you're trying to make the most of that and to be a good steward of the franchise, you're going to realize that, hey, dipping into the red year after year and maybe you're 30, 40, 50 million in the red, you know what? You're going to make that up over time. You are. Trust me. If the Giants were to be put up for sale today, I think the franchise valuation is something like 3.4, 3.5, 3.6 billion. I would bet you that they sell for more than that. I would bet you they'd sell closer to $4 billion. And you know what? That's quite a return 
for the people who are looking to break even on their investment in the franchise. And I know that the Giants' ownership group is complicated. I know that Greg Johnson does not have the same level of control over the Giants' organization that other owners do because there's, what, 30 people involved in the organization? Heck, Buster Posey is now an owner of the San Francisco Giants. He's bought in at some level. And so going into the red may not feel as comfortable for some of these people as it does for some of the owners across Major League Baseball. But the bottom line is this. Oracle Park has paid off. The Giants have turned Lot A into their own real estate development. What more do fans need to sit through to understand that the commitment from the franchise from the highest levels of ownership should be, we want to be a top five team in payroll every year. We want to be a top six, seven team in payroll every year. We want to spend to contend. When we realize that, hey, the farm system has produced X level of talent and it's going to take Y level of talent to get to 90 wins this year or to get to 95 wins this year, we're going to make up Wide level of talent by spending that money to go out and acquire the free agents, to go out and acquire players through trades who are going to cost money. They don't want to sit here and be told a lesson about breaking even. It's just shameful. It's shameful behavior from Giants ownership. And it's, what, the third time that Greg Johnson has opened his mouth in the last few weeks and he said something that he should absolutely want to retract. I mean, seriously. How does the concept of breaking even come up before the idea of putting a World Series caliber product on the field? How hard is it to say, we will do whatever it takes, we will spend whatever it takes to put a winner back on the field in San Francisco because we know that's what matters to San Francisco Giants fans. I think that when you hear words like that, you can understand my concern about the Giants becoming the A's because they've got a front office leader in Farhan Zaidi who worked in Oakland and understands how to get more out of less. You've now got a manager who worked in Oakland who understands how to get more out of less. And you've got an owner who's talking about having less to give to the organization. Seriously, that is the concern right now. And so you look at next year for the San Francisco Giants. And one of the reasons that I like this Bob Melvin hire is because of what he can give this developing core that they've got in San Francisco. Because one of the things that Bob Melvin did in Oakland so well is he got the most out of players coming up from AAA to the big leagues. He got the most out of players who needed to get comfortable at the major league level for the A's to have a chance at succeeding. And you look at the Giants next season. If the Giants are going to be successful, yes, they're going to have to go out and spend. They're going to have to get a Yoshinobu Yamamoto. They're going to have to go get a Jung-Hoo Lee. They're going to have to be in on Shohei Otani and Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger. They're going to have to play at the top of the market and look for top talent this offseason. But ultimately, they will be supplementing a core that is coming through the organization right now in Kyle Harrison, in Marco Luciano, in Patrick Bailey, in Luis Matos, in Tyler Fitzgerald, and hopefully Elliot Ramos if the Giants hang on to him this offseason. There is a big group of young players who need to be starter caliber players and positive contributors for the Giants next season. And I think that hiring Bob Melvin and allowing him to assemble a coaching staff that understands how to get the most out of those players, that is a major key to the Giants offseason. Because You look at what Bob Melvin did in Oakland, and he's got a great track record of, hey, Marcus Simeon traded from the Chicago White Sox to the Oakland A's at a time when, you know, there were big picture questions about whether he'd ever stick at shortstop, ever be good enough. The A's got the most out of him. Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, when they came up to the major league level, Bob Melvin got the most out of them. Sean Manaya, Sean Murphy, Bob Melvin got the most out of them. There's a long list of players who made the successful transition 
from AAA to the major leagues or were traded for early in their major league careers like Marcus Simeon, who then had their best seasons with the Oakland A's. And that is something that should inspire hope in Giants fans, that should give you reason to believe that Bob Melvin was the right choice. Because let's be honest, if the Giants are going to be successful next year, moving on from Brandon Crawford at shortstop, it's got to be Marco Luciano. There are no guys on the free agent market. There are no guys in the trade market who are going to be better players for you next year than Marco Luciano. If Kyle Harrison is going to be able to pitch next October, Giants are going to have to stick with him through the tough months that he will uh, he will certainly endure, whether it be May, June, July. There's going to be a time next season where Kyle Harrison does not look as comfortable. And beyond a Harrison, beyond a Luciano, who did the Giants bring in in free agency to supplement this roster? Well, Andy Baggerly and many of the other Giants beat writers have covered this, but Bob Melvin has a tremendous track record of forging strong relationships with players from Asia, with players from Japan and Korea, and the Giants this offseason will need to go after Yamamoto. They'll need to go after Lee. And in upcoming offseasons, there's going to be more talent coming over from the Pacific Rim because you look at the players that Japan and Korea have produced in recent years, and those are impact players at the major league level. The Giants missed on Masataki Yoshida. They missed on Kode Senga. They missed on Saya Suzuki. But now is not the time to miss. Players are coming over. It feels like, to me, more frequently than ever before and having more success than ever before. Those leagues in Japan and Korea are great. They're really fun to watch. If you ever get the chance to do so, sometimes I'll stay up late watching YouTube highlights. Those teams are awesome. Those players have so much fun. The World Baseball Classic this year was an absolute display of abilities from all over the world, and now is the time for the Giants to strike with adding Yamamoto to the rotation or adding Jung-Hoo Lee as their everyday center fielder. This is going to be a situation where Bob Melvin can use his relationships that he successfully forged with Ichiro Suzuki up in Seattle, with Hassan Kim down in San Diego, with a wide variety of players in Oakland and Arizona during his managerial since there, and show that he can be the manager that can help facilitate a successful transition to the United States in those recruiting pitches. Because, believe me, those players will be looking for a place where they feel comfortable. And Bob Melvin and the manager seat in San Francisco can make them feel comfortable. That is, to me, one of the biggest reasons you go out and hire Bob Melvin. Aside from the Luciano, the Harrison, the Matos, the Bailey reason, it is recruiting free agents from outside of North America. And the Giants have an opportunity to strike big this offseason. Now the question is, will they? What are they able to commit financially? What are they willing to commit financially? Because I think those are two different questions. What are they able to commit? We know this Giants organization, you know, back in the 2010s, was able to commit a lot and willing to commit a lot. Like they're able right now. What is Greg Johnson willing to authorize Farhan Zaidi to spend? What is Farhan Zaidi then willing to go out and do with that money? Because the Giants have a lot of needs to get better this offseason. And the paths to getting better aren't exactly that clear. Like, there are roster spots that are filled by an Anthony DiScafani, by a Ross Stripling, by different players who maybe aren't the best fits for the organization. So how do the Giants get creative this offseason to turn, what, a 79-win team into a contender? And for those of you saying it can't be done, look at what the Texas Rangers did. 94 losses, they spent their way out of it. Look at what the Arizona Diamondbacks did. A year after, or two years after 110 losses, they've got an emerging, young, talented core that is sensational to watch. I mean, Corbin Carroll, don't mention where he was drafted because I think the Giants had a pick before that. But nevertheless, there's an opportunity for the Giants. And now it's making sure they don't follow the playbook 
of the Los Angeles Dodgers, that they don't follow the playbook of the Oakland A's, that they follow the playbook of the San Francisco Giants, the one that made this organization successful. I'm Kerry Crowley. Thanks for listening.